0: Hey everyone, it is Jamie Jill right here at Madlit Musings, and today I have with us the author Brian Litvin. He is the author of the series Constantine's Empire from Rebell Publishing. Hi Brian.
1: Hey Jamie, good to be with you.
0: I am really happy to have you here. So first of all, I shamefully must admit, I have never seen these books, which is a travesty because I shouldn't say that out loud, but it's probably because <laughs> my to-be-read pile is towering and it, it rivals the Leaning Tower of Pisa. So there's that.
1: Well, you can rectify it right now, as can I, all your listeners, because uh, mm-hmm. if you haven't seen it yet, you're missing out on The Great Adventure, which also yes. has some spiritual power behind it, I think.
0: Well, and that's what I want to talk about today because just reading the back covers, I know these are going to become quick favorites of mine because I love books like this that are, are full of not just story, but good message. Um, and these just look like they're chock full of it. So tell us just a little bit about I mean, we're here specifically about the third book, which is Caesar's Lord, that's coming out, but you've got a trilogy here. So tell us about it.
1: Yeah, it's a it is a trilogy. And this one ends with a bang, but uh, it's a trilogy uh, set in the time of church history uh, in the time of the ancient church. So it's not the ancient church of the Book of Acts or the Apostles. You don't kind of run into Peter and Paul. It's it's 300 years later. It's still the ancient world, still the Roman Empire and the time of the early Christians, uh, the time of Emperor Constantine, who's kind of wrestling with his faith and and taking the empire in the direction of uh, whether, you know, the, the empire as a whole is going to adopt Christianity as its religion, so you've got martyrdom coming to an end, and new tolerance, but new challenges for the Christians, so it really hits, a, the whole series hits a bunch yeah. of topics, you know, in, in ancient church history.
0: Yeah, well, I, I imagine just knowing the little bit of church history that my husband's made me read some really big thick books on church history and says you need to know this, but I, I'm, I'm guessing there's a lot of parallels in what's going on in today's world in comparison to this time period am I right. I think so. Yeah, I think
1: we probably see a lot of kind of life lessons and, and maybe the question of, well, how do Christians relate to the state? How, how do Christians, are we supposed to be supporters of, of a government figure? Are we supposed to be mm-hmm. kind of in cahoots with a government figure or are we to be separate? And of course, we are at the same time. You know, government figures need Christian guidance. They need Christians at their side. And so probably some of those issues do come up.
0: Yeah, right. Right. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. so tell us just a little bit about the actual stories. And then because I'm a history buff, I could talk about the history part of it forever. So we can kind of go in whatever direction you want to go. But I'd love to hear a little bit about the characters and just the general plot line, just for those of us who haven't heard about it.
1: Yeah. So the the general story, like I was saying, is is centered around Constantine. He's not the main figure, but certainly you're in this time period where persecution is ending and and the, the Christian empire, so to speak, is rising. In a, in a good way, you have these major events like the, the Doctrine of the Trinity and the Council of Nicaea and the Nicene Creed and, and mm-hmm. um, just, you know, big climactic battles and things like that. And, and the story itself is centered around a hero and a heroine. The hero starts the trilogy as a kind of a special forces operative. He's kind of brought into the Roman Empire. He's a pagan. He's a Germanic warrior and he becomes this great uh, army guy. And he, but he doesn't worship Jesus, but as he goes mm-hmm. on a spy mission into the empire, uh, in into Rome, he meets the daughter of a senator who is a Christian. And so the two of them exchange, you know, insights and faith and have these adventures and are caught up in bigger events. And by, by the second and third, without giving away any spoilers, by the second or third, you do have him, uh, we'll just say, integrated into the Christian church. Mm-hmm. in A more, you know, a way for him. He's converted, mm-hmm. I guess I'll give away. And so, so that allows both of these characters to be part of all the great events that happened at this time in churches.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That is so cool. And that was not a easy time to be a Christian in the time of Constantine. Am I correct?
1: Well, right. Because you do still have those that are, that are persecuting. Now he's the figure that, that brings tolerance. So he brings that to an end, but, Mm -hmm. but there were those that were trying to, you know, take the empire back to what it was. So you really have this kind of uh, tipping point moment in church history. And really, that's maybe what the macro theme is, is is it can can Jesus be Lord? Is Jupiter mm. going to be Lord? Who's going to be Lord of the empire? Who's going to be Lord of the emperor? Who's going to be Lord of each of the characters lives as they wrestle with the lordship of Jesus, yeah. in their, own, their own empires, the empire of the heart. And so in that way, it's relevant and timeless.
0: Wow. That's, that's just, yeah, I'm totally ordering these the minute we get off our podcast <laughs> recording. <laughs> hey, and then I'm going to have to take, you know, four days off just to read them back to back so that I can you, you know immerse myself. Out. So yeah, I'm okay. exactly. It'll be perfect timing. <laughs> mm-hmm. So what inspired you to write in this time period? Cause we hear a lot of like quote, biblical fiction, unquote, this is after technically biblical times. What, what made you set it here in the time of Constantine and early church history?
1: Well, I mean, I do think it's such a pivotal moment in church history. So I knew there were stories that were untold. Maybe we've heard the apostles and Acts, you know, we've kind of heard those stories. But there are these later stories that are the continuation. I mean, the next generations. Mm-hmm. And so it's just a really, really important time with important doctrines being formed, the canon of scripture being formed, uh, battles that turn the tide and, and kind of change the fate of, of Christendom forever. Uh, and so it's a very, very strategic moment. And, and it's my field. So, you know, by day, okay. I'm I'm a scholar of early Christianity. So mm-hmm. you know, it was already my field that I knew a lot about. So I thought, well, there's stories here. Let's, yeah. let's talk about the stories in a, in a different way than you might find in a textbook, for sure.
0: Right, right. Well, and it probably gets people like me who wouldn't necessarily read a textbook to learn about early church history. Exactly. And I think that's important, too, when you think about the foundations of where Christianity came from. It's more than, like you said, it's more than just the Book of Acts. Right. And then all of a sudden, we're in modern times. There's been a whole transition of, of how that how that um, progressed, and lots right. of heroes.
1: Yeah, and I try not to. Uh, I don't. It's not a textbook. You know, I'm, I'm not mm-hmm. like secretly trying to teach you, you know, trick <laughs> you into buying a novel. But really, the prof is going to give you the the test at the end of the book or something. It's not. It's it's incredibly exciting, epic sweep you off your feet, forget you're in the modern world and get transported back to ancient times, romance, epic Mm -hmm. saga kind of thing. That might, along the way, teach you a little doctrine and a little bit of what was at stake in ancient church history so but I'm not trying to be didactic I'm trying to be entertaining and I hope I was
0: well and it certainly sounds entertaining to me because I mean really when you think about it isn't that why we love history because your your mind starts going to the lives of the people who lived and what did they experience and what were their stories so it's it's exciting to see fiction set in times that aren't necessarily the quote popular historical times yeah I I think
1: this is like a niche that yeah You're right. There's like the Georgian era, you know, and the kind of the romances that are set Mm -hmm. in that time, uh, Jane Austen and so forth. Or maybe there's the Bible time or the Amish, you know, or whatever is the genre du jour. But like, I don't know if anybody has said it in the time of Constantine, but they should because there's a ton of stories to tell. And I I hope I grabbed a bunch of them and threw them into these three books and, and made a story out of them
0: yeah know these are really great so um tell for readers who don't know who Constantine was and the um, importance of him as far as he relates to the Christian church I mean I realize this isn't a textbook thing but now you got me on history so I'm just going to go there because I like it so um tell us what he's why is he important to the Christian church and why is he important to be incorporated into the, the retelling of history
1: yeah, well, so he's a Roman emperor, like you would say, you know, Caesar Augustus or any of the other famer, famous ones, but he's the first one to convert to Christianity. So for three, mm-hmm. he set the time period of the novel is, is around the early 300s A.D. So you're, you're basically 300 years after the time of, of Christ's uh, death and resurrection. So 300 years later, you still have the Roman Empire and you still have emperors. But none of them up to that point have been Christians. They might have been aware of Christians. They might even have persecuted Christians. Well, they did, many of them, mm-hmm. but none have converted. But this is the right. figure that does. And so scholars debate, well, is it a real conversion? Or like at what point in his life does he kind of get it? But maybe early on, he's got one foot left in the world of the gods and He's testing Mm -hmm. the waters. So it's hard to tell exactly. But by the end, he's this robust Christian figure who who calls the council, for example. He summons the council that we have our Nicene Creed, which is the doctrine of the Trinity. Mm -hmm. So so he's this important figure. He marks the end of that age where it was like, throw the Christians to the lions. Now you have this faith that's being tolerated, in fact, embraced by the emperor himself. So it just sets the church on a trajectory of, um, you know, you know, being being accepted by government mm-hmm. with all the positives and the negatives of that of that change, right?
0: Yeah, kind of the beginning of the formalized church. Yeah, you could say that. I mean, it's you know it's hard to pin those
1: things down, but you're yeah. right. There's yeah. a kind of uh, there is. There's a kind of institutionalization. I don't call it the Roman Catholic Church because mm-hmm. that's not quite the right term at right. all to use there. Right. But it is a time when, yes, you get a structuring and an ordering of the church. Uh, that was more of like a house church movement beforehand. So there's Mm -hmm. a lot of change happening. Yeah. Yeah. Oh,
0: this is so cool. I love it. Now, have you been like physically to the geography where this takes place?
1: Oh, yeah. And and that comes out. I mean, like many times it's I'm typing what I've seen and what I've lived. and, And I used to take students all the time. I hope to do some more of that soon where I would take, sort of college age disciples and so look at this look at that here's this here's that and just like the landscape of the ancient world Mm -hmm. and the sights and the smells and the sounds and what you know what those trees looked like and what rome Mm -hmm. looked like and kind of the scale of the Colosseum, or the 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 darkness and the mystery of the catacombs of ancient Mm -hmm. rome and just all these places that you can still visit today which are like if you're quiet for a moment if you just kind of stop and listen you can hear the whispering voices of the past of your of your christian ancestors saying i walked here too welcome to my welcome to my domain yeah and it's it's it's, gives you
0: goosebumps yeah it does you're absolutely right i went to the catacombs in oh gosh i'll age myself i think it was 2007 and my sister in law and i were walking through there and i like grabbed her shoulder i'm like just be quiet Mm -hmm. can you hear them and she's like you're creeping me out I'm like no but seriously we're walking the same footsteps right
1: you know and
0: it's it's just thrilling and it's amazing and so then when you read stories like this that are set in those times it just that history just becomes so alive right and it really was a I want to say adventurous time I don't know if they would have said it was adventurous or more of a trial in some well, cases, you but know, probably mean,
1: you're, you're right. Like sometimes the the greatest trials are are great adventures when you you know persevere through them. And right. of course, not every moment was persecution. So there are right. many other parts of the early Christian experience the 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 the, the living out of one's faith um, in many ways, and and forging new doctrines and understanding which books belong inside the the canon of scripture. Mm-hmm. And, and you know this book here, Caesar's Lord. You know it culminates in jerusalem not to give things away Mm -hmm. but one of the moments that happens in the life of constantine is that his mother is also this very devout kind of pious queen queen helena and there are a whole bunch of legends slash history where in jerusalem she uncovers the um the church that's today called the church of the holy sepulcher and even Mm -hmm. finds supposedly the 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 fragments or parts of the pieces of the true cross and oh. So there's this whole storyline about finding the cross of Jesus or mm-hmm. digging up, you know, digging down to today, if you go to Jerusalem and you can visit the church that has the tomb of Christ, mm-hmm. well, that, that church was put there by Constantine and by his mother. So even some of the, the archeology span of yeah. Jerusalem is even part of the story here. So, oh man.
0: Fun. Yeah. This is awesome. I love it. I'm super <laughs> stoked about this. Let's yes. take a quick break. And then when we come back, I want to ask you. A deep question of what you really hope readers get from your novels when they read them so we'll just break for a few minutes are you enjoying today's broadcast with our featured author you can find out more about them and other authors from baker publishing group at bakerbookhouse.com Use code MADLIT40 for 40% off any one Baker Publishing Group title at bakerbookhouse.com. This also includes Revel and Bethany House Publishing. Go over fast. It's MADLIT40. That's your magic code for 40% off any one Baker Publishing Group title. Alright, we are back here at Madlet Musings. This is Jamie Jo Wright and I have Brian Litfin with me and we're talking about his Constantine's Empire series. Um, lots of history, lots of adventure, lots of excitement. Um, what do you hope your readers take away when they read these books?
1: Well, I certainly do want them to be swept away. So, I mean, like I was saying before, I want the reader to have that feeling of having gone back to the past, having tasted and smelled and seen the times before. So I I think before I have any sort of life lesson that, you know, you must learn this, you must learn that. Mm -hmm. I just want them to have that experience of like maybe kind of fellowshipping with or, or walking in the steps of our ancient four mothers and forefathers in the faith. So sure. to me, that's really important, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. To encounter it as it was and not kind of like, you know, a lot of fiction maybe written by people who aren't experts in the field mm-hmm. is sort of like born again, Christians wearing a toga, you know, born again, right. Christians with the leaves in the hair, but they talk and think just like you'd meet on a Sunday. Right. They actually didn't. And I want to be faithful to
0: yeah.
1: the shape of their faith.
0: Yeah.
1: So there's that. And then I think also, um, you know, the, th- a theme that runs through the three. I mean, you know, the three novels are called The Conqueror, Every Knee Shall Bow, and Caesar's Lord. And all three of those then have themes of conquering, lordship, bowing the knee. And like I said before, it it runs through everything. Will the empire bow the knee? Will the empire of Jupiter bow the knee now to Jesus? Will Constantine Mm. do that? can can the hero who's a pagan at first can he bow the knee to the god of love and peace when his god is is god of war
0: Lord, um, yeah. can the heroine
1: relinquish the things that are most meaningful to her can can the empire of her heart mm. you know even she can certainly believe in jesus and confess him but can can it act can he actually conquer her deepest longings mm. and so everybody is wrestling with that and to me that's a timeless thing that every christian yeah and, and non-Christian has to wrestle with this. Can I make Jesus not just a figure that I like or the positive parts of Jesus that I kind of bring in or He'll bless me if I, you know, what blessings can I get? But actually hardships and relinquishing mm-hmm. and conquering and bowing the knee, but seeing that there's actually more beauty and more goodness when he has conquered everything.
0: Right. right
1: corners of our heart you
0: know right right it's that whole thing like i remember when i was a kid my dad used to tell me you know it's one thing to accept jesus into your heart and to accept that he's your savior it's a completely different thing to make him lord lord of your life and submit to him and that goes against our our nature um yeah. And so it's it's definitely something I think we can all relate to, whether we're reading fiction or nonfiction.
1: Well, we we accept Jesus into our heart easily. But do we accept yeah. the cross beam on our shoulders? Mm. That's not as easy.
0: No, it's not. It's not. And they're heavy to they're heavy to bear sometimes. That's yes, for sure. That's for sure. Yeah. Well, what else do we need to know about your books? Anything specific?
1: Well, again, I just I I really think they're entertaining. I mean, I hope your readers will, like you, kind of get a sense of maybe I've never heard of these or this is new to me, but this is just my kind of thing. And I and I would say um, it is written to where like the bro or the dude, the man in your life would like it. All right. There's plenty there that a woman would like. And and Jamie, Mm -hmm. you're reacting to it in in that way. But you could hand this book to the man in your life, the son, the teenage son, the, the husband, the boyfriend and say, hey, this is a rugged manly novel, and it's historical and real, Mm -hmm. and, you know, like, sometimes they stick you with a sword, I mean, it doesn't, like, you know, pretend that that's happening, and so I think it's a masculine book, it's it's, it's likable by women readers, of Mm -hmm. course, but it's masculine, too, and so give it to the man in your life.
0: I know it sounds kind of, it sounds funny, but like, I'm always looking for books that my dad will read. And when I look at Christian fiction, so much of them are geared toward the more feminine side. And so this will definitely be going on this list for my dad and, and people like that who can relate to and, and love the history behind it. And the story, the adventure, the, like you said, the swords, I mean, we need swords and everything, but.
1: Yeah, exactly. What's a novel without a sword? I I don't
0: know. I love swords.
1: swords. (laughs) Symbol of conquest
0: <laughs> yes they are the I love it. right the scripture
1: yeah. is uh, sharper than a two-edged so, sword yeah
0: so. the sword of the, the spirit so mm-hmm. yeah even god's given that yeah mm-hmm. there is something amazing about a sword so i love that i like that you bring that out so mm-hmm. definitely awesome okay well if readers want to find out more about you find out more about the books order the books right. um, how do we find you how do we find out more about you well i i do have a website uh brian it's
1: b-r-y-a-n l-i-t-f-i-n and so you can just find me there but of course these books are available on amazon and christianbook.com and anywhere that you buy books these Mm -hmm. are there so again my name is brian b-r-y-a-n litfin l-i-t-f-i-n and and, uh, my website or just put my name into uh, one of those uh, book sources and and you'll pull it up for sure
0: Yeah. Awesome. Sounds good. Well, I'll be doing that as soon as we're done here. So this is great. Well, readers, I hope you enjoyed meeting Brian today and we really appreciate you coming here, Brian, and hanging out with us.
1: Yeah, I enjoyed it. Thanks for having me.
0: Thank you for listening to Madlit Musings. You can find out more information about Madlit and all that it has to offer at Madlitmentoring That's madlitmentoring or check out more about Jamie Jo Wright at JamieWrightbooks.com.